You are listening to An Ounce, Season 2, Episode 34, Face the Music. You are listening to An Ounce, a podcast providing inspiration, ideas, and wisdom through engaging stories, commentary, and interviews so you can live life better. Hey, Jim Fugate here, and it's my privilege to share an ounce with you. So, if you're going to become a famous popular music singer, you're going to need to be good-looking, have an edgy attitude, have great moves, a really good manager, and be able to sing your butt off. Well, maybe not that last one. Maybe you don't need to sing at all. Allow me to tell you about it. Their first meteoric hit was already recorded. It had already been released. And it had begun to shoot up the charts before this pair were chosen as the front men, one of the most popular bands of the late 80s and early 90s. A German record producer, Frank Farian, first heard the song in 1988. It was a dance club song recorded by a band called New Marks from Baltimore. And he knew it could be an even bigger hit. Quickly, he began recruiting singers and musicians. He was looking for less well-known talent with which he could record instrumental and mix vocals with a complex background and chorus. One of the lesser-known artists chosen was Charles Shaw. Shaw recorded rap lines for the song. When he heard the song, he told the producer Farian, this song ain't new. Shaw said he'd heard the Newmark's version of it several times in the American dance clubs in Hamburg, Germany. Frank Farian knew that and continued to move forward with his version of the song, one he felt was destined to be a major hit. Additional less-known talent, including Brad Howell and John Davis, and others were brought in to record vocals, and all were mixed together in a way that one could really not tell who was doing the singing. Finally, all this hit needed was a face, as it was rising up the charts in England already. Farian found two men who had been living on the street and in hostels in Munich, Germany. They had the right look, and both were dancers. He initially gave them 4000 each to be the face of this new band, this deal sounded pretty good to the newly minted duo, who had even resorted to stealing food to stay alive until then, as Farian had already accepted $12,000 to record the next song, and needed to accelerate the pace to get a four-song EP ready to be released in the U.S. market. Things began to progress very rapidly. Farian would go into the studio with his stars each day, and tracks would be recorded. The stars would hang around the recording booth for a few hours, and then go into the basement of the posh studio for the remainder of the day to relax in the pool and hang out. The real singers would be snuck in later and at night to lay down the heavily mixed and engineered vocal tracks. This now famous duo for this very well-known group were kept far away from their voices. The faces of the group never recorded a note. The producer and his non-singing singers were absolutely loving it. So what exactly were the non-crooning duo expected to do? Their job was to pose for pictures, dance, and lip-sync performances for large crowds, and in small TV studios like MTV, back when MTV actually played music. Now, lip-syncing was not something new. Many performers did it back then, and it still happens a lot today. For them, it worked out really well. All the duo had to do was dance, look good, and 
move their lips. For the manager, Farian, it was not the first time he had done something like this. In the 1970s, he promoted a group called Boney M, with a singer who was just a dancer, lip-syncing to vocals recorded by Farian himself. He was able to keep that going for 25 years, but the intense attention and fame became the very thing that took down the veil on our non-warbling duo and their huckster manager. Well, that and the interviews that revealed that the duo's speaking voices had very strong accents, of which there was no hint in their song, and a few technical glitches in the form of failures in the vocal playback in front of live audiences. Despite their secret of lip-syncing becoming common knowledge within the industry, and a few rumors that got out into the public, they were able to continue. Their fans absolutely loved them, and the fact that they weren't doing any of the singing wasn't well known. So the charade continued for a while. In January of 1990, they received three trophies at the AMAs, and in February of the same year, they beat out the Indigo Girls and Tone Loke for Best New Artist of the Year. As the silent vocalist pair became more famous, their egos grew. We can sing, no problem, they insisted. They'd begun to buy into the fantasy they helped create. They wanted more. The two demanded to be allowed to record vocals on the next album. Farian knew that this would kill the farce and destroy everything. He refused. Rob Pilatus and Fab Morvan were the face of Millie Vanilli, one of the most iconic and popular groups of their time. They had been the front of the facade that produced Ironically, Girl, You Know It's True, Blame It on the Rain, Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You, and Baby, Don't Forget My Number. But after a falling out with their manager, the ruse was over. Not sure whether it was hubris, guilt, stupidity, or all of the above, but both Rob and Fab and their former manager, Farian, held separate press conferences. They pulled away the mask, admitting Millie Vanilli were a complete fraud. The fallout was disastrous. Their record label, Arista, dropped them and deleted their entire music catalog. Fans demanded refunds and threatened to sue. Their Grammy was revoked. The one and only time that has ever happened. Where are they now? Well, Fat Morvan continues in the music business, mostly behind the scenes. And in April of 1998, Rob Pilatus was found dead from a drug overdose. So, here's the ounce. Every secret will eventually come out. Secrets are like invasive black mold. Even while they're buried away and unseen, they will sicken you. And even the thing that you think will never be exposed, at some point it will push itself into the light of day. So what? Be on guard to see the seduction of dishonesty before it claims you. And if, like everyone else, you get sucked into the lie and keeping the secret, be prepared, the time will come. You will have to choose to own up to it, to face the music, if you will, and have the courage to move on or bury yourself in embarrassment, pain, and shame and let it swallow you up. Never forget, with honesty and time, there can always be redemption. And that's it. An ounce submitted for your consideration. Remember those challenges on social media? The ice bucket challenge and, worse yet, the Tide Pod challenge? Well... Historically speaking, somewhat less than fully rational behavior is not that new. We'll take a look at some odd fads from the recent and not-so-recent past. It'll have you saying, they did what?
I'm Jim Fugate, and I'll catch you next time. That's an ounce for now. Thanks for listening and subscribing to this podcast. Listen again for more information, ideas, and wisdom an ounce at a time. Tish, I've got it. I've got it. Got what? I'm going to be a famous singer. I've figured it out. All right. I just need a body double who can wear a mask and dance. Jim. And somebody who can sing really good. Jim. And a really good manager who can promote the unknown pop star. Can you see it? The unknown pop star. Kind of mysterious and cool, don't you think? No. Oh, dang it. I thought I finally had something there. Dang it. Hey, check out our YouTube videos at youtube.com forward slash at an ounce podcast. That's youtube.com forward slash at symbol an ounce podcast.